Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the second hour is here. Glad you're with us. OutKick 360 rolls on from Nashville, Music City. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yavier and Old Smoky Moonshine. Fast-paced hour, Brent Hubs joins us in an hour. Jason McCourty will be on the show today. Uh, that is in 20 minutes. Congressman Jim Jordan's in town. He's going to swing by in about an hour and a half in studio with us. Plenty to discuss on the Tennessee front, the SEC front, and more. Auburn tight end John Samuel Shanker uh, will join us. Uh, recently married uh, as of last week. And uh, setting school records at the tight end position for receptions. And uh, he'll be with us coming up in six minutes or so. Um, SEC, overwhelmingly, the media voted Alabama and Georgia to represent the East and the West. It was Kentucky edging out Tennessee for the second-best team in the SEC East. A&M got the nod in the, uh, in the SEC West, and based on the votes, they get the nod for the predicted who's the third-best team in the SEC. The media went with Texas A&M uh, over Kentucky based on the second-place uh, finishing votes there. Uh, overwhelmingly, by the way, media picks Alabama uh, to win the SEC championship, and the media has correctly predicted the SEC champion the last two years, and they normally do a pretty good job whenever they just go with Alabama on representation overall. Um, SEC word count. Davey Hudson sent this to us last night, Paul. Uh, on a, It was a clever tweet. Uh, a place there uh, by uh, one of the media members there on on site who decided to uh, through his transcript put a uh, Alan Cole is his name put out coaches and the number of words spoken at the podium prior to taking questions Clark Lee with 2,340 words that's the top okay that's the cream of the crop here Mike Leach at the very bottom He has him listed with seven words spoken. The transcript, the official transcript from the SEC uh, has Mike Leach speaking five words prior to taking questions, um, where he walked to the podium after the introduction by Commissioner Greg Sankey and said, I appreciate that. Any questions? Please put the graphic back up. We we go we reference the the full list here. Lane Kiffin surprisingly low at two nineteen. The guys the guys I think that we would anticipate hearing from the most did not speak very much Brian in the initial Kelly also third yeah in, in the initial uh statement you can tell the coaches that get up there and wing it versus the guys who come with a prepared statement and the, the guys who get up there and wing it are the the talkers Jimbo Fisher Brian Kelly got up there and did a very he gave a very nice speech 343 words and then took a ton of questions about coming to the SEC from Notre Dame Just go back to the top there is Lane Kiffin with 219 words you're right that that's a a big takeaway 
uh, many of the the coaches are in the the thousands. Kirby Sam Pittman, Smart, I would have Pittman, expected to be brief, and yeah. he's fourth. Saban, Stoops, Drinkwitz, all in the eleven hundred to fourteen hundred word count, and the the prepared statements by Clark Lee and Shane Beamer took a while. They were lengthy, well thought out, well planned, and um, Lee had talking points. So did Beamer, and they hit them all with two hundred. Uh, 2,340 words and 2,185 words. Lee also has a smallest audience there. Uh, well, they were the, the entire room down there was packed. Um, they, they, sur- they cycle through all those coaches, and then they bring the players down there for the print and electronic media. But you think uh, everybody in that room is paying rapt attention to Clark Lee? Well, not, not in the same way that they are, you know, Saban and, uh, and, and others. Um, but... You know, Clark Lee, if he wants to get a message out there... He can. He can't wait on a question to be asked for uh, to get his message yeah. out there. So th- I Agreed. think that's that's why he shows up with the prepared statement to make sure he hits the points he wants to hit on and then take the questions necessary. And, and he knows what he's going to be asked. What's it like this year compared to last year um, and coming off the winless SEC season, only winning two games, and no one's predicting you to go very far? Th- those are the type of questions he's getting. Meanwhile, you know, at the bottom of the you know, – Mike Leach shows up and says, hit me with any and everything you want because I'm. this is your time, not mine. <laughs> so uh, two, two varying Different styles. points there. Yeah, Josh Heupel, by the way, a little over 1,100 words uh, with his message. And then he took a ton of questions on expectations and hype and everything in between. Uh, we had a great conversation with Hendon Hooker yesterday. If you missed that, you can go to the website. Uh, outkick.com plus uh, check out the YouTube page just search out outkick 360 um, Roethlisberger continues to talk about the Steelers not wanting him not just last year but previously oh, it's boy. very interesting and you never hear about Steelers being a uh, split decision no but you it, know he's making it sound like his art Rooney and this was a couple of months Rooney. after he retired when we first heard the and I, I, I said man this sounds like a guy who if you called him up in December based on an injury who knows if he decides to come out of retirement, like you did Drew Brees in New Orleans yep. last minute when they're on their fourth guy. He um, basically said Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin were fine moving on before last year, which quite frankly probably would have been the right decision. Yep. Though Pittsburgh got into the playoffs, right? Yep. One and done. Yeah, they, they, they were the worst team. Last year. But the, the year prior that he's talking about, they won 12 games. Well, he's not talking. He's saying they wanted him done last year. No, so they would have no, moved no, on no, last year. No, he's saying they wanted him done before 2021. That was the season that they won 12 games. And then they brought him back last year for the swan song season, for the 21 season. That's not the way I read it. I read it that they wanted him done last year and that Art Rooney wanted him back for one more year. They uh, were saying the same thing, but I'm saying they're, he's discussing coming off of the 12-win season before they kicked off last season, yeah. they wanted him out. And instead, they, they brought him back for last year where they didn't do anything as they limped into the playoffs. Well, I think uh, Colbert, Colbert and um, – and Colbert, I was going to call him. Colbert and, uh, and Tomlin had a sense of what was coming. Um, and and they, they knew. Um, that that th- his arm was shot, his body was shot, and he, oh, he, wasn't, very, he wasn't very good yeah. last year. And so, more power to them forecasting forward. Art Rooney was being a little bit sentimental. Jason McCourty joins us in roughly 20 minutes. Looking forward to that conversation. Um, but right now, uh, a great conversation that we had yesterday 
Auburn tight end John Samuel Schenker. Outkick 360 continues across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us this afternoon. And our coverage continues in Atlanta at SEC Media Days, where Texas A&M and Tennessee are roaming the College Football Hall of Fame, as well as the Auburn Tigers. And tight end John Samuel Schenker, he joins us on Radio Row. John Samuel, thank you for the time. I want to I want to talk some ball in a moment, but but congratulations are in order. Uh, recently married, congrats, man! Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm a week and a half fresh here. Uh, oh, oh. Just got got back from a honeymoon uh, this past Saturday, so this is my first week back from from wedding stuff. Uh, but it was awesome, beautiful day. Wife's very happy, so it's all good. Where, where did you Where did you honeymoon? Saint Lucia, down the Caribbean. Uh, it was that, awesome. That, that does not suck. It doesn't sound like <laughs> it, it did not. It was awesome. Uh, how did the wedding go? How much say did you have over the wedding? Very little. I <laughs> I did have a few requests, but they were very small, like walking my mother down the aisle before the wedding, but very small things. And then I let them take care of all that. I did the engagement, but you got it after yeah. that. So, so I don't, awesome. I don't know if you agree that the toughest part for me um, was the guest list. Oh. because she my wife had a very large guest list and we had a, a capacity we had to reach and then i was trying to figure out who i definitely had to invite versus who i wasn't you know married to so to speak with the uh with the invites and the guy is always the guy who's you know in the relationship that's got to deliver the bad news or whatever it might be yes that was and that was probably one of the hardest parts of the whole wedding was yeah because it we had it was a pretty big wedding, and you know you're gonna forget a few, and you're gonna get like two months out. And you're like, dang, I did not invite that person. But there's nothing you can do. I mean, it. <laughs> there's so many people that you have to you know think about, and it was. But we finally got it done and got to the wedding day, so it was great. Well, uh, I mean, especially for you, you've got an entire locker room to consider. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that part's tough. Uh, by the way, um, I do want to talk some ball, and you set the 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 Auburn tight end record last year for receptions and receiving yards. So you've got you've got big expectations going into twenty twenty two, don't you? I do, and you know, last year it wasn't a fluke in my mind. Like that was what I prepared for for so long. Um, and to see that come to fruition was really awesome. But now it's it's about growth and getting better in the little things now that I've, you know, I've gotten used to certain things. Now I can focus on very, very small things and to, to make my game better, whether that's separation or certain routes and the footwork on certain things. But that's that's been my focus this offseason. And with all the other tight ends, we have a great room this year. And so that's that's really been our focus because we have a lot of guys that played a lot of minutes. Auburn's John Samuel Shanker joins us on Outkick 360. You're a very good baseball player. Um, played for Team USA as the developmental uh, group for the under-17 team. Uh, you played at Auburn, of course, as well. How difficult was it to, to give baseball up? Very hard. That was my first love was baseball. I grew started played T-ball when I was three. And to see that come through, and I committed actually for, to Auburn for baseball first. Okay. In uh, the summer of my junior year. And then after my junior year, I I really wanted to to pursue football. So I told my my family and I called Coach Thompson and I said, I'm sorry, but my heart's pulling me towards football. It's nothing against, you know, Auburn or anything. And 
he was very understanding of that. And uh, I had no offers at the time, actually, for football, none, not one, because I didn't pursue it at all. And uh, I ended up getting my first offer, I think it was Georgia Southern, like my f- second week of the summer going into the senior year. And then it kind of unfolded from there. And then uh, solely awesome. on solely on football now. So is it based on NFL aspirations or something else? It was just I wasn't getting my full potential on either. And I did it was awesome, but I wanted to reach the best that I could in at least one. And I thought football was that. I thought I had more untapped potential in football than I did baseball. Cause I played baseball for so long and so many years and games that I feel like I'd I'd found my peak there. I feel like I hadn't found that in football yet. And that was part of my reasoning. And I knew that it needed to happen at some point. So that was my decision making. Coach Harson said this morning that the inquiry back in February had united the team. Is is that accurate? And and if so, how so? Oh, 100%. I think that conversation itself changed the entire environment of Auburn football. Sorry, Derek Hall is waving at me while you're walking by. <laughs> um, but it was it was such an odd situation to be in as yeah. a player because you you want it, but you, you got to fight for what you want, right? And we, as leaders, we wanted Coach Harson here, and we wanted him to be our head coach. So we did whatever was possible to make sure he stayed here. And after that, it just it's like everything clicked. The culture clicked. The guys bought in. And ever since then, it's just been fun. Guys are enjoying ball. They're enjoying going to practice. And I think when you have that, you can really create some special things. What's Calzada been like getting to meet him and and know him? He is a wonderful football mind. Um, Great mind to pick on the game. Um, And he's got some experience, right? I mean, he beat Alabama last year. um, And he's played a lot of football. He beat us. So to have a guy like that, even TJ who played a year, like there's experience there. There's not, it's not like these guys are coming from places where they didn't play. And so I think it's a very unique opportunity that we have to have those two guys and Robbie Ashford for that matter from Oregon, um, all competing. Um, but Calzada's done great. He was a little banged up in the spring from his surgery, but now he's, he's back and he's getting ready for fall camp. That Bama game, the iron bowl still eat at you. Yes. That, but what a experience to be a part of. I mean, that was four overtime Iron Bowl. I know we didn't win, and that it will tear me apart for a long, long time. But to just be a part of that and say, yeah, I played, I was a part of that Iron Bowl game. I mean, that'll be talked about forever. Um, and just the opportunity that we had. I mean, we could have, I mean, that would have dismantled their season. Yes. And I mean, so we were just so close. Just, I mean, it's unbelievable how close we were to being them, even in regulation. So, um, what an experience. But, yes, that will eat at me for a long time. Tied in from Auburn is John Samuel Shanker. He's been our guest here. Uh, best of luck. Stay healthy, first and foremost. That goes without saying. But uh, five straight home games on the schedule, too, at Jordan Air. So, I mean, that's 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 great. Plus, uh, I know you get the, the rematch against Bam every year, this time in Tuscaloosa in your final season. That's got to be cool. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the five games at home, that is – I've never seen that. That's crazy. That crazy. But we are very excited about it. <laughs> that is such an advantage for us, we think, um, when guys yeah. come to our place. 
Um, so we know we don't look too far ahead. Obviously, you want to keep it one week and one game at a time, and Mercer's our first opponent. But to just have that opportunity, I mean, to take it full advantage of that would be so amazing for Auburn, and that would put us in a great spot heading into our first road game, which is in Athens, which would be a massive game. And that includes Penn State, that stretch, right? Yes, Penn yeah, State home, cool. which is a big one for us. We After last year, you know, that's that's going to be a big one for us. Looking forward to the season, man. Can't wait for this to, to kick off in a little over a month. I know you feel the same. Thank you for the time, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up down the road. Yes, thank you. War Eagle. There's John Samuel Shanker. It's been our guest uh, on Radio Row, and still a lot more coming from Atlanta as our coverage continues with Outkick 360 and Outkick.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Thirteen-year NFL career, and he's not done with the NFL anytime soon. We've got details on that as we continue on Outkick 360. Across the Outkick Network, Paul Kaharski and Jonathan Hutton with you. Chad will be back with us on Monday. Pleased to be joined by Jason McCourty, former draft pick and longtime Titan. Played for for four NFL organizations and now uh, headed to career number two with the NFL Network and Good Morning Football. Jason McCourty joins us on Outkick 360. You can follow him at McCourty Twins. J-Mac, it's good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Congratulations. Look at that guy. Appreciate it. Likewise, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, so uh, we were we were having this discussion uh, a bit yesterday or the day prior. Did you know about Good Morning Football before or after? Uh, I'm saying officially before or after you announced your retirement. Uh, I hadn't signed my contract, so it wasn't a done deal. Uh, but it was in the process of of getting done uh, when I officially retired uh, on last Friday. I urged you all the way back when you were just a meager titan to split <laughs> off from Dev on Twitter. Now you absolutely have to split off from Dev on, on Twitter. You've got to be your own man on Twitter with the being a good morning football co-host. You're like the, uh, the third person uh, who said that to me. 
Uh, it's not a bad idea. I, I talked to we have a, a marketing company that does a lot of that stuff for us or helps us with it. The only thing is now I'm starting back at zero. So we, 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 we said we have to mull over the idea and figure out what's the best move uh, moving forward. Because, I mean, when we joined uh, the Twitter, the Instagram, all the social media stuff some years ago, uh, it was just a marketing point. You know, we've been able to do some deals and all of that fun stuff. Uh, together off the field but we'll see we'll see what's to come when it comes to that stuff it'll grow pretty quickly i think if you're mentioning it on the show a couple times in the first couple weeks um for sure as a as a personality on that show now you know people really like to hear from from a guy who's who's got a vast array of experience and and you've played on really bad teams and you've played on a team that that reached the pinnacle. How valuable do you think that vast array of experiences that you've gone through is going to be to sit in that seat? Yeah, I think that's the unique thing uh, now to look back on. Uh, when I was in Tennessee and we went through uh, two and 14, three and 13, and then uh, somehow uh, the football guys weren't on my side because I left Tennessee uh, and joined the Browns and we went 0-16, uh, but was able to follow, follow it up. Uh, with the Super Bowl, but I think um, those experience, that knowledge, I mean, you can, I'll be able to talk about different teams in different situations and I've lived it. I know exactly what it's like being in a locker room uh, going into week 17 uh, when you know you haven't won a single game all season or what it's like knowing that you're eliminated for the playoffs down the stretch and you're trying to just get through the season and you already have your flights booked and you already have your off-season basketball uh, organization that you're playing in, all of those good things, but also know what it's like uh, to have a bye week in the first round of the playoffs and what it's like to win an uh, um, AFC championship game on the road and then uh, head to the Super Bowl, what all of those weeks are, the two weeks leading up uh, to the big game, what it's like. So I think being able to play uh, 13 years gives me a plethora of knowledge to be able to talk about uh, on TV every day. So I'm looking forward uh, to being able to share that knowledge with fans. Jason McCourty, our guest. I'm sure there's something that you could write in to make the story better. Maybe not, but sixth-round pick in 2009. Uh, to say that you would go on to play 13 years, you win a Super Bowl, uh, you would retire just before turning 35, you would win a Super Bowl with your brother, uh, becoming the first brothers on a on a team to 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 win a Super Bowl. That that to me is is remarkable considering where expectations were when you were selected in, in 2009, Jason. Oh, without a doubt, I remember uh, in Nashville. This was after Cortland Finnegan retired, and I remember me and him were together, and we were having a conversation. And uh, Court, like myself, late round draft pick, he was drafted out of Samford in the seventh round, and uh, he talked about retirement. And obviously, we all know Court. I uh, had a tremendous career and there were people that loved him and there were people that hated him. And the one thing he said is as he looked back on his career, uh, he far exceeded any expectation that even he set forward for himself uh, when his career first began. And um, now that I'm done and I look back and I reflect, I definitely I understand where that comments come from, because I remember coming into the league thinking, man, I can possibly be a gunner in this league for a few years and let's just see what happens and end up starting kind of early in my career in Tennessee. Uh, baptism by fire anybody that's been a fan for a long time i remember that game in foxborough uh 59 to zip uh, i was one of my first starts as a rookie probably shouldn't have been out there in retrospect but uh, it was a good learning experience so to where i i sit now all of those accolades and things you said man it's been a, a blessing 
and one heck of a journey. My son was born that weekend. I watched, I watched that from the hospital room with him laying on my chest at the hospital. One of the few games I got to miss, a good one to miss. Yeah, the uh, 59. I, I was about to say, lucky, lucky for you, you didn't, have to, you didn't have to play in that game. I remember, uh, I think Lindell got hurt in the first half, and fortunate for him, he got to stay in the warm locker room uh, for the second <laughs> half. Uh, I think that was Ver- Alteron Werner's. Uh, he was starting Thank opposite you. you, right, in that game? No, nah, that was my rookie year. So, Vern oh. came in the next year. You know, it was me, Mouton, and Kerry Mouton. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Cortland, uh, Cortland got hurt. Uh, Nick got hurt. And Vinny Fuller all got hurt uh, the game before that. So, we had three young guys all out there playing against Brady, Moss, Welker, and, uh, and the whole crew. Did you do anything with uh, – did you say anything to Moss? Did Moss say anything to you that, that particular day? No, I don't, I don't. I really don't think there was uh, anything to say that day, especially from our standpoint. There wasn't uh, much trash talk uh, to yeah. to go around. Probably the only thing I would have talked about at that point. They had the heated benches that didn't have the platform for your foot, for your feet. So my feet were freezing. So uh, at that point, late in the game, I probably would have asked. I probably would have said, "Mr. Moss, would you mind talking to uh, Mr. Belichick and getting some better heated benches so when we're getting our butts kicked over there, we can at least stay warm." Brady still playing though, J Mac. I mean, this is uh, remarkable that uh, you're retiring before he does, and you made it 13 years. For sure. I mean, I don't think that guy's ever going to retire. When uh, the news first broke that he was retiring, I remember saying uh, to my friends and family, "I'm just like, this guy was second in the MVP voting. Like, it's impossible." Uh, to retire when you're at the top of your game at that level. And uh, until he drops off, I don't see him walking away from the game. So I'm wondering which side of this you come down on. Wide receiver boom going on now where uh, some teams are saying, hey, I I need Devontae Adams. I need Tyreek Hill. I need A.J. Brown. I'm going to pay him bucket loads of money to get that guy on my team. The teams that are letting him go are saying, Hey, there are quality receivers coming into the league every year, and I can replace that guy at a rookie rate and, uh, and spend my money elsewhere. I'm going that direction. Uh, if it keeps going that way, maybe receivers will turn into to running backs. You, you think that you need that premier guy and to spend that kind of money, or do you think replenishing might be the, the way to go? I know it's a case-by-case basis, but if you look at it broadly, yeah, sure. where are you? Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of twofold because like the first part of that question was, do you need that guy? And I think um, that is a luxury that is very, very valuable because those guys can dictate the pass defense for the other team. But the second part is, do you pay that level of money? And I think it depends on situations. Obviously, it's case by case. But just to be even a little bit more specific, when you look at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles and you go and you're able to bring A.J. Brown in and give them a boatload of cash, but your quarterback's on a rookie deal, you're kind of able to do that. But you look at the Raiders who brought Devontae in, Devontae Adams, and they're still paying Derek Carr. It slims the money out as you're trying to really build a roster and build a team to go and compete for a championship. And I think it also depends upon where a team is at. I mean, you look at a team like the Tennessee Titans letting go of A.J. Brown, drafting Burks, uh, who, Traylon Burks, who when you look at him in college, I mean, you're crazy if you don't think he reminds you of A.J. Brown. The toughest thing is that Titans team is a really, really good football team, man. They're a team that you can make a case for. If, uh, if Derrick Henry is able to stay healthy, Ryan Tannehill is able to build off of having the King DeHen back there and be able to get back on kind of where he was a year before this last year. They're a team that's competing for a Super Bowl. So 
when you kind of switch out A.J. Brown for a young guy coming in, there's always going to be that variable, that question mark of, all right, you can tell from his college film, hey, this kid has a chance to be really good, but how fast does it happen? But to me, I mean, you get a premier wide receiver out there on the edge. I remember we played uh, against Kansas City, uh, the Chiefs, in um, in a uh, conference championship game. We double-teamed Tyreek Hill the entire game. Uh, my brother, Devin McCourty, leaned his way the entire game, and we dedicated two players to him. And that just opens up the field for so many other things. So that guy out there is invaluable. So it's to the point where you have a young quarterback. I mean, we watched Josh Allen. They bring Stephon Diggs in, and obviously Josh Allen, was his trajectory was, you can tell he was going to be really good, but the difference that it makes having a number one guy out there that there's times you can just chuck the ball up to him and see what he does. Jason McCourty, our guest, recently retired, 13-year NFL career, now with Good Morning Football. Uh, early wake-up calls on the horizon, Jason. Um, surely it's nothing new to the, the football world, but, I mean, 7 a.m. start time means you get to the studio at what time? Uh, probably between 6 and 6.15, so it's going to be, like I said, early. Yeah, early. Then uh, if you're leaving your house, you're probably getting up 4.35. I mean, you've got to know exactly what's going on in the sports world. Um, and going to bed yeah. early. I don't know. It's I, I couldn't do it. You're an early riser, though. Um, explain. It, will you retell the story of the car uh, that you drove to Nashville uh, after the draft and um, whatever happened to it? Man, um, I got my grandparents. Uh, I got my brother and myself. I had a Nissan Altima. And uh, my then-girlfriend, now wife, uh, that was, I guess, the towards the middle of July. Packed the car up. We were uh, in uh, New Jersey at the time, New York at the time. Packed the car up, loaded it up with all my belongings, and uh, drove it down. I think it was 13 hours uh, down to Nashville. So it was a little black Altima coupe, but I had the windows tinted. I, it looked pretty good. I was, I was, I was very, I was very proud of my Altima, and I drove that um, all the way up until I signed my uh, my second contract. Uh, then I eventually bought myself a, a car. Uh, going into my fourth year down there in Nashville. And uh, with that car, gave it to my my little cousin uh, who then got into a, a car accident when she was totally fine, uh, left unscathed, but the car got totaled. So uh, very disappointing because it was a coupe. It was really good on gas. I could have held on to that thing and could still be possibly driving it uh, today. But yeah, that, that, I used to drive that thing to training camp and to to the facility every single day. Why? Uh, so you, I know you wanted the car here, but why not just fly in for the? Was it the rookie OTAs that you were driving in for? Nah. So I, I flew in for the OTAs and just walked around wherever I needed to go. Okay. And then when it was time for training camp, that was me kind of just speaking it all into existence. I drove down with the thought process: I'm going to make the team, and this is it. So. I'll, I'll have to find a place after training camp. That was before Uber and Lyft, too. You had a harder time <laughs> way, getting way around. Way before. When that did, makes me feel old. When did you know that, hey, uh, I'm going to be more than a gunner in this league? Man, um, I would say probably my, my second year when I got a chance to compete uh, for the starting cornerback, uh, starting cornerback position and then got a chance to go out there. But I would say early on, especially uh, like just to kind of reflect on it my first training camp i remember just the highs and lows of it i got an interception in the the hall of fame game early on but i was like the eighth cornerback on the depth chart um so it's not many snaps you're getting going against the starters and it was all the way up until the last cut down day and i remember at that time what we used to do was uh coach fisher i guess would let uh steve waterson who was our strength coach know who was going to be released but 
for those two days, we would be in the building. And I know now, I, I believe, guys have days off and they're calling them in to release them. But we'd be in the building. Guys would be in the locker room. Some guys would be playing PlayStation. Some guys would be having conversations, playing cards, whatever the case may be. And I remember that day hiding out in, like, the players' lounge, me and Kenny Britt. And obviously, Kenny, the first rounder, he, he had nothing to worry about. But I think he was just trying to empathize with what I was going through and hiding out, not knowing whether uh, Coach Waterson was going to come get me. And then when we would finish the, uh, all the cuts, we'd go into the bubble and get into our stretch lines and just do like a functional warm up. And I remember looking at those stretch lines because you think about it, the roster in a matter of two days goes from 75 people to 53 and realizing, man, like how crazy it was to still be one of those 53 standing and know that all right, I, my, my dream continues a little bit longer. But I would say my second year when I, when I was able to win out that that battle and, and become a starter and then go out there and perform that year, it let me know, like, man, I, I got something with this. How weird is that part of it? Like, you want nobody to say anything to you. <laughs> it's not like they come up and say, congratulations, you've made it. So you, you want nobody to say anything. You're like a kicker about to make the game-winning option here, the, ki the kick. Exactly. And then, and then you guys know because you're, you're always reporting on it. The last cut, it happens on a Sunday a lot of time. And then by Monday, teams are claiming people and somebody else is getting released who thought that they made the team on Sunday. So, man, those those moments at the end of training camp, those are tough ones. Your, your anxiety, everything is going through your mind. You're thinking about your good plays, your bad plays. Uh, but it, it was a blessing that uh, Coach Waterson didn't come and tap me on the shoulder and hit me with the coach fish needs to come see you. Cause I've seen guys have to be in the middle of a Madden game and get that tap on the shoulder. That's not a good feeling. I got somebody in mind. I wonder if he's in, uh, at least in your top three, who's the toughest cover you dealt with. Um, that's somebody you saw relatively regularly, not, not, not a, you know, once or twice guy. Yeah. Um, that's, that's always a good question. I always say to people, um, that quarterback position determines a lot about the wide receiver position. But I'll stay in the division for this one, and I'll say Andre Johnson. Getting a chance uh, early on in my career, um, I didn't touch him because Cortland Finnegan was there, and we all know the infamous matchups between oh, yeah. uh, Dre, Dre and, uh, and Cortland. Um, and then as Cortland, when he moved on to the Rams and signed his deal there, I'd be matched up and follow him uh, around the field. And uh, he was tough. He was just so big and so strong. And then the crazy thing is Dre moves on and then you got to go against DeAndre Hopkins playing and play out uh, with his grabbing, pushing, pulling, his ability to catch everything around him. So I would definitely say Dre was a tough cover. And just to name one more, uh, going against Antonio Brown was tough because Big Ben could extend a play and he throw the ball uh, to A.B. sometimes 20 times a game. And you had to be good every single time uh, you lined up against him. DeAndre Hopkins was who I was thinking because I remember writing a piece about like there was a game where once or twice I thought you had him like you were blanketing him and he yep. was making catches and I was like that's an absolutely hopeless job he finds a way and that's the to me that's one of the the best characteristics about him because when you watch his game he's not the quickest guy off the line of scrimmage when you look at the Keenan Allens and the Devontae uh, Adams and he's not the the fastest guy straight line speed 
but he's a guy who you you can get your hands on him off the line of scrimmage. You can feel like you're stride for stride with him down the field. You jump up for the ball, you turn around, and the referee has his two hands up, and it's a touchdown. And that's just that's his innate ability to just make sure when that ball is up in the air, up in the air that it belongs to him. Throughout the Bills, throughout the Chiefs, throughout the Rams, throughout the Bucks, who's somebody you really like this year? I'm at, maybe this is your first prediction question as a broadcaster. Who's somebody you really Man, like this I'm, season? I'm excited for the Chargers. You know, uh, Justin Herbert, a young quarterback who's up and coming, who has shown each and every year his ability to improve. They were able to re-sign Mike Williams uh, to give him that still one-two punch of him and Keenan Allen. And there's not reason, uh, really a reason to talk about the offense much because they were rolling last year. And the biggest thing is on the defensive side of the ball. They were able to bring in Khalil Mack, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, the guy who was drafted uh, by the Tennessee Titans, in addition to signing J.C. Jackson and a guy like Kyle Van Noy. These are two guys who have won championships. They understand uh, what it takes, but they've made a lot of improvements on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm excited to see kind of what they can do. The toughest thing for them, obviously, is going to be that division. I mean, you name the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Russell Wilson joining in with the Denver Broncos, and we've already talked about uh, Devontae Adams, uh, him joining Derek Carr there uh, in Vegas with my guy Josh McDaniels going down there to coach. So uh, I like I like the Chargers' chances, and I want to see – uh, what they're able to do this year and how far they can take it. Jason McCourty with us now with Good Morning Football. Um, one of the other areas he's going to be great in uh, among the, the several, you were the player rep for the NFLPA in the locker room. So, I mean, you, you know the business side of it and getting the information to the guys that don't know anything about the business side of it. Um, so at, at some point, those type of questions are going to come up and, and you had a firsthand uh, account for all of it. Yeah, without a doubt. And I can remember at that point, uh, we had Steve Hutchinson and my guy, uh, Matt Hasselbeck. Those were the veterans on the team. I think it was my fourth year. just got my second contract with the team and they pushed me into the role. And, I, and at that time, I really didn't know much about the PA. I listened to, used to listen to Demore Smith D when he came around and spoke to the team. But when you're young, you get in the NFL, this is your dream. Like you didn't dream. I've said this in our PA meetings. You don't dream about, hey, I'm going to join the union when I get there. You dream about putting on an NFL jersey and taking the field. And um, I'm thankful for them because once I got involved, I was able to learn so much and try to convey all of those messages and the things guys needed to know uh, in the locker room. So very proud uh, what I've been able to do uh, in the Players Association and continue uh, to do as an executive committee member still to this day. So the, you, you were bridging the gap between the era that had two-a-days versus the group now that barely practices every four days, right? But um, yeah. you, you will, I, I think you will look back on the, you'll be the, 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 the veteran who looks forward to, you remember back in my day when we didn't have fully guaranteed contracts. I've Aside from whatever's about to happen with the Watson suspension, that contract can set a precedent for the very top quarterbacks that you mentioned, Herbert, Burrow, and others, that are going to be looking for the top money. And eventually it trickles down to other positions whenever teams get desperate to sign those players. Without a doubt. And we talked about it. I mean, Kirk Cousins did it a few years ago. Now, his wasn't a huge uh, long-term deal with the 200-something million. It was a short, I think, three-year deal worth maybe somewhere in the 80s millions of dollars, and it was fully guaranteed. And what we've talked about in our union that 
Uh, when basketball got their contracts that were fully guaranteed, it wasn't something that was written in the CBA. It was that the players started demanding it. They weren't going to sign deals that weren't fully guaranteed. So to what you just said, Deshaun Watson setting a precedent, is going to be up to the guys after that. Um, Kyler Murray just got paid as we go along. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately for us, all of our contract details come out. So as the days go by, we'll know exactly the details of his contract. But come together, it's going to start with the quarterback position because those are the guys that have the power to say, hey, I'm not signing on a dotted line unless my contract is fully guaranteed. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how it all goes along because Kirk Cousins did it and it's been a little while now. And now you see the deal that the Cleveland Browns handed out. When do you officially start? With Good Morning Football? Monday. We're live wow. at it. Early morning. Monday. Get right after it, man. They don't They don't just wait for football. Uh, I mean, they, they want you to jump right in. I love it. And you've, I know you've been on the yeah. show recently. So, congratulations yeah, my on wife, that. I don't think my wife wants me in the house uh, for that long. <laughs> so, I think a week was it. And she was, all right, you, you can get out of the house and go find some work. So I think this is going to be very good for you to – well, I, I'll let you speak for it. But for me – in my mind, I think, well, training camp's about to start. You're, you're a free agent. You didn't latch onto a roster. This is going to allow you to not think about that so much, and you're going to have this job to keep you acclimated to football. Without a doubt. I did an interview yesterday talking about that. I uh, Last year, I played seven games and tore up the list frame ligaments in my foot. So I kind of was going into year 13 last year with the thought process of, you know, this definitely could be my last year. And uh, started the year off strong and felt pretty good health-wise, and then you get hurt. And it was rehabbing this year and spoke to the defensive coaches down in Miami, and there was possibly an opportunity uh, for me to return there. And just the way my body felt, um, like you said, retired right before 35, uh, to turn 35 and play football again, coming off a major surgery, knowing that I'm going to be out there in pain, just didn't seem worth it. And right now, uh, feels great to know I've been working out with my brother some back here in Jersey and he's getting ready to drive up to Foxborough on Sunday. It's a great feeling knowing I'm not heading anywhere because there's a football player that tells you he enjoys training camp. He's lying. Uh, nobody enjoys training camp. But like you said, I know when the season rolls around, it's going to be nice to still be involved uh, and know that I'm not too far from the game because I know I'm going to miss it. How is that foot? I know that's an a injury that lingers and can be tough to recover from, not, not just to play, but uh, in life. Yeah, it's ex like exactly what you just said, lingers. And right now, it's not terrible. Like I'm able, all of my daily stuff I do, walking, moving around, I go work out, it's fine. Uh, still running, trying to go out there and run full speed or make cuts or stuff like that. Um, still swells up, still is in pain. I'm still doing PT uh, and all of that. So it's a, it's, a, it's a process. And I quickly saw once I got hurt that just, I don't know if this is going to be worth trying to play through. Both you and your brother don't look for the recognition, but uh, I know both of you at the same, in the same year were recognized as the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, for your respective teams at the time, the Titans and the Patriots, you still have the Sickle Cell Foundation that you work with, right? The the, the raising money on on that, um, and uh, you work so well in the community here as well as other spots that you landed. Um, you deserve the accolades for that and the props for the solid career, man. You were uh, one of the best that we had to deal with. Uh, hopefully, we were the same for you in that regard uh, among the other markets you were in. And uh, we, we hope that you're not a stranger now that you're, uh, you're joining forces in the media with us. Big time. 
Hey, definitely. I may be hitting you guys up for some for some tips and all that. And, <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys reach out to my guy Robbie over there to PR for the Titans. Tell him can I get a tweet, an Instagram post, something saying congrats to J Mac on retiring. Can I get something? You see, I got the Titans gear in the background. I'm a Titan through and through. So tell him I need some of that love when you talk to those yeah, guys. Yeah, he's not. Their social media department's all <laughs> new hipsters, Jason. It's not any guys you know. That's got to be coming. That's got to be coming. By the way, if you need if you need uh, um, advice on makeup, Paul's got you covered for the shine on the head every day. Uh, yeah, I'm not that shiny. Uh, Hey, ex- hey, exactly. Hey, it's fortunate when you got to go on TV, you don't have to spend any time in a chair to touch your hair. So <laughs> yeah. me and Paul can relate. There's nothing like being bald. They'll take good care of you. Hey, right. we appreciate you very Thank much. Thank you, man. Congratulations. You'll, you'll be terrific. Congrats. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Same here. There's Jason McCourty at McCourty Twins for the time being is where you can find both him and Devin. Yeah, he's got a split off on This him. is OutKick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up, Brent Hubbs will join us in just over five minutes, and we will have the latest on the notice of allegations from the NCAA to the University of Tennessee. He'll join us by phone. That's coming up right at 4 o'clock Central this afternoon, 5 in the East. Uh, Great chat there with uh, Jason McCourty. Always a a class act, and uh, we will have him on again soon. That's terrific. We uh, have been recapping SEC Media Days all week, each day. Today is when they released the, the media vote. And the second place teams, I, we found more intriguing with the discussion, certainly, than the first place. But even the last place selections are pretty much widely agreed upon between Vanderbilt in the East, Auburn in the West, and Kentucky edges out Tennessee barely for the most points for media votes in regards to who finishes second in the East. Meanwhile, Texas A&M, not by a a big margin, but much larger than Kentucky and Tennessee separating two and three. Texas A&M with 968 points uh, that puts them in the the second place finishing position for the preseason accolades, which means nothing. It wins you nothing. But it gives you an idea of where people see certain rosters in the preseason. They have Texas A&M behind Alabama. Arkansas and Ole Miss are neck and neck behind A&M. And then to finish off the SEC West, LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. And I said earlier, Mississippi State of that little group uh, of three teams in the West and then the three teams in the East that rounded out South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt. I look at Mississippi State as a team that could be a surprise that finishes a little much higher than, you know, where, where they are right now at fifth. I think they could get up in that two, three, four range and pull up an upset or two. We'll I'm a little bit surprised by Kentucky ahead of Tennessee. Yeah, and they're coming off a 10-win season, and they bring back their quarterback, and they have arguably the best running back in the SEC to lean on. We lean on Brent Hubs next with News in Knoxville.